0: look for a nice backyard first. You can fix up the house, but that piece of dirt is always going to sell that property. So that's the biggest one for us, particularly around here mm-hmm. is a nice backyard.
1: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best Ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today I'll be speaking with Terry Berger. Terry, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, Theo. Thanks for having me on today.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Terry. He's a full-time real estate investor with 19 years of real estate experience and five years of investing. His portfolio consists of six rental properties and he does 30 to 40 flips per year. He is based in Atlanta, Georgia, and his website is a niceguysbuyinghouses.com. Nice guys, plural, buyinghouses, plural, dot com. So Terry, do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today?
0: Yeah, no problem. So I am a trained classical musician turned middle school band teacher turned realtor turned real estate investor. So I spent about nine years teaching public education and then went into residential retail real estate for about 16 years and then made the transition around 2013 to investing full time. And that's a little bit of my background kind of my claim to fame is my superpower is comping property and knowing what the consumer wants. I've probably walked through 10,000 properties. I probably had 5,000 moms in my car at any given time. So I, I kind of feel like I'm the house whisperer when it comes to knowing what the retail consumer wants. So that helps me in my flips for sure. Well, we'll definitely talk about those two things. So the comping
2: properties and then knowing what people want before that so you do flips and then you do
0: rentals so which one's yeah. your main focus so we flip to buy and hold we like to generate cash through our flips and then we save the best ones with the most cash flow as rental properties so we pick up two maybe three a year if we can what's your main way to generate leads let's see main way we generate lead is direct mail at this time we buy some online leads as well those are our two primary You buy online leads. You buy like lists? Yeah. So there's companies out there, right, that have great organic traffic. So you can either do Google pay-per-click. We've done that before and drive traffic to your own site. Or you have these companies out there that have really great SEO and they appear in top search results in just about every market. And they get plenty of leads. So we basically just pay for leads from them.
2: Interesting. So you have like an ad on their website? Like if I go to a website on the corner, it'll have an ad for you buying houses or or how does that work exactly?
0: No, it's not an ad at all. It's kind of like they go in and because these companies have national SEO presence, they just go in and let's say somebody clicks Greenville, South Carolina. I have a house to sell in Greenville, South Carolina. Then I buy that lead. So if you think about how ServiceMaster does it for storm damage and water damage houses, it's just a national website and it's a lead collection service and then there's multiple people that buy leads. I can give you the company names if that would be helpful, Theo.
2: So you buy it and then they'll send you a list of people who said, I want to sell my house in this market?
0: Yep. So let's say Susie Smith hits their website and they know that I'm going to pay X amount of dollars for this lead. It's called 100 bucks, 150 $200. And then they send that lead over to me and they just ping my credit card per lead.
2: Okay. What are some of the websites that do this? There's
0: needtosellhousefast.com is the most common one. And then Fast Home Offer is the other. A lot of people I think have heard of Fast Home Offer.
2: And then for the direct mail, Mm -hmm. what's your criteria for that? What type of people are you mailing to? Have you found to be the most
0: receptive to direct mail? And then what type of messaging are you putting on these letters? I think the best messaging is just consistent messaging. What is it that your company has that might separate you from other people? So we've done a really concentrated effort to get Better Business Bureau reviews. So we leverage those Better Business Bureau reviews against our competition. And we hear this all the time, right? We went with you because you were BBB rated or we called you because you were A-plus rated on the BBB. So that seems to help us a lot. So that kind of messaging we get that out all the time and then in terms of the type of person that we mail to it's like everybody else they need to have equity and we're just trying to figure out who's motivated we've personally i don't think ever bought a house from anybody under 40 so we go 40 and up we just kind of look at our avatar customer who is it the problem with us sometimes is i remember buying a house from an attorney couple one time So typically they wouldn't be your avatar customer, but they hated realtors. Really, honestly, Theo, that's really what it boils down to. If they don't like real estate agents, they call us. And I think from an investor's perspective, a lot of times that's what makes the investor a really good option for people is because a lot of people have this bias against real estate agents sometimes. And that usually stems from a bad experience along the way. And look, I was an agent for 17 years. I sold over a thousand houses. I was a really good agent, but did I make everybody happy all the time? No, I didn't. So that one person that I didn't make happy or they didn't have the experience they thought they would have, they may reach out to an investor. So
2: you'll have on the direct mailing a stamp that says A plus plus better business bureau and then not a real estate agent.
0: <laughs> and if you hate realtors, call me. No, I don't put go. that
2: on there. <laughs> I've talked to people before who would put that they're an agent on there and say that that's like a benefit to them. Sure. That I'm an agent. But that's interesting. They said sometimes people don't even like agents. So that could potentially hurt you as well. So thank you for sharing that. So you sent out your direct mail and leads start coming in. And then you said that you're the master comper. So I'm able to determine what the offer price is without having to go and inspect every single property.
0: Yeah. So during COVID 19, we have switched over to in person and phone appointments. And I think a lot of people have shifted that way, right? So our biggest obstacle is how do we evaluate the property when we can't see it? So I'll tell you what we do. So let's say we put a house under contract over the phone. Then, of course, I teach comping to my team. So they kind of get how to comp a property. And we could talk more about comping if you want. But the process that we use to do it virtually like this, especially during the phone appointment era that we're in, is we send our home inspector there and we also send our photographer at the same time. And so we give our photographer a big checklist of things to look for in addition to just looking for problems in general. So our home inspector's there going all over the house and it takes a couple hours for him to do that. And then our professional photographer is in there with a wide angle lens and a micro lens and she's shooting videos, she's shooting photographs and she sends them back to us in high resolution. So if I can get on my Mac or whatever, and I can zoom in really, really tight on things. As long as you get that stuff back in high res, you can zoom in on something really detailed without having to be at that house. And that's how we do it right now.
2: Okay, can we take a step back? Because this is what you do after you've got it under contract, but how do I know what that contract price is? How do I know what to offer?
0: So, the way we comp properties is our philosophy is we comp in micro markets. So, if you think of the city of Greenville, South Carolina, that's kind of a micro market to the whole country, right? But it's more of a macro market regionally. So we drill down a little deeper and say, okay, this neighborhood right here, Judson Mill, for example, is its own micro market. It has its own set of values, its own set of people that live there, that buy there, all that, right? So, and, um, so one of the easiest micro markets that we use are main roads. We won't cross over a main road. We'll stay within the boundaries of main roads and we'll try to stay inside of a little neighborhood pocket that we know is how we're going to grab our comps. The second trick that I teach people, this is an old agent trick, right? You're going to look at your values based on the elementary school. So you could do a zip code search, which gets you kind of a big picture. You could do an elementary school search, which kind of drills you down a little deeper or if you want, you can go into the MLS or PropStream or whatever program you're using and you draw out the little polygon based on the area that you want. So we employ the polygon method and we employ that elementary school method, particularly when you're in the suburbs. And then is that is the number like dollar per square foot that you're looking at? If we can find houses that are all very, very similar, we look at the values and we can ballpark it. But yes, if they vary wildly in square footage, which in some of our areas they do, then we're looking at two values, a market value cost per square foot, which would mean a normal residential retail sale. And then hopefully sometimes we can find current condition comps of houses that need to be fixed up that sold on the MLS.
2: So that was my second question. How do you know without seeing the property if it's, going to need $5,000,
0: $20,000, $50,000 in renovations. We use a home visit sheet that I came up with. It's got a lot of the numbers on it. So if our acquisitions manager is looking at the comps and they see that the ARV includes new kitchens and it's basically flips, right? If they see that, then we are going to estimate our rehab based on those comps. We only look at the comps when we estimate rehab. So you assume
2: that, If the comps have a new kitchen, then you're going to to put a new kitchen in. If the comps have
0: whatever else, you're going to need to do that. Okay. Yep. So it's interesting in some markets, they just paint the cabinets white. They don't put in new kitchens. So in Atlanta, a lot of new kitchens go in, but in Greenville, they just paint the cabinets. So we look at those comps and go, okay, two out of three of the comps had painted cabinets. Why don't we just paint the cabinets?
2: And what about the major CapEx things like a roof or painting the outside of the house? Air conditioning, HVAC, how do you know if you're going to need to replace any of that stuff?
0: So when our home visit sheet, HVAC, for example, is it older than 10 years? If it is, we automatically replace it. We budget for replacement. Same thing with the roof. If it's a 30-year architectural shingle and they've got 20 years on it, we're going to budget to replace. If it's a 15 and has 10 years on it, we're going to budget to replace. Who's doing this home visit? Is someone from your team doing this or is they yep. sending this to the owners to fill out? So our lead intake people do it during that screening call that comes in. And then our acquisitions department goes a little bit deeper on the phone, asking them questions like that.
2: So you said the next thing that you're an expert in is knowing what the buyers want. So if you're flipping most of these and you're keeping
0: some yourself, what do you mean when you say that you know what they want? What step in the process does that come into play? Well, I'll tell you a funny story clients would always ask me, would you buy this house? And that's one of the most popular things real estate agents get asked by their clients, right? Would you buy this house? And over the years, what I've seen, particularly in the residential suburbs, right? So I'm in the Northwest suburbs of Atlanta. And then we're in the suburbs of Greenville. We're also in downtown Greenville as well. But I, three words. So I said, if I'm sitting on my deathbed in a hospital and somebody asks me, what's the secret to real estate? I have three words for you. Backyards sell houses, period. So in Georgia, for example, we're in a very hilly area in Northwest Atlanta, kind of the foothills of the North Georgia mountains. So there's a lot of topography changes. So you'll have a big family-friendly two-story traditional house, but your kids can't kick a soccer ball in the backyard because it's hilly or it's steep or whatever. So I always told my clients, look for a nice backyard first. You can fix up the house, but that piece of dirt is always going to sell that property. So that's the biggest one for us, particularly around here. Mm -hmm is a nice backyard.
2: All right, Terry, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: A lot of people say this, but gosh, it's so true, Theo. You gotta buy it right, and you cannot get emotionally involved in the buy. You have to keep your wits about you, be numbers-focused only, and buy that house right. In your agent days, when you're dealing with clients buying a home, this
2: seems, at least from my perspective, to be more relevant when someone's buying a single-family house. How do you communicate with a client who's emotionally invested and wants to buy this house that's either overpriced or it's going to cost too much money to fix up? What's some advice that you give to them? And then think if you're talking to the best ever listener who might be emotionally involved in the deal and how to get them to to relax a little bit, calm
0: down. Yeah. Those first few deals are pretty emotional. I remember my first deal, the butterflies were in my stomach. I ran the numbers on a napkin at a Chick-fil-A, but I knew it was a great deal. I think Inside, at least for me, that first deal or two, I was so giddy about the deal. I couldn't wait to get the ink on the paper because the deal was so good. Now, I'm numbers oriented. That's not everybody. So I was emotional about it because I knew I had a great deal because I analyzed the numbers. So if you have that warm, fuzzy feeling because you found your first deal, but you're not sure about the numbers, you got to be careful there. I would always tell my retail real estate clients the numbers don't lie. So For example, if you're going to buy a home for you and your family, Theo, you're going to look at it and go, well, this one's priced $20,000 more than the one that sold down the street last month. Why? Why is that? Well, it has a pool. Okay, well, how much was that pool? It was $100,000. So you're telling me I can get that pool for 20 grand? That's a good deal if you want a pool. So it's just looking and comparing the facts with all of the houses, just like an appraiser would, Mm -hmm. and just looking at those things and analyzing them. And knowing your numbers, knowing what stuff costs. All right, Terry, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready.
2: Okay, first, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you looking to get started in multifamily investing or looking to grow your portfolio? Nathan Tabor has created an online course that is slammed with incredibly useful and practical information. Check it out at apartments.nathantabor.com.
2: Okay, Terry, what is the best ever book you've recently read?
0: Right now I'm reading, we have a pretty big team, so I'm trying to learn how to lead my team better. So I would say... Lately, in the past six months two Traction by Gina Wickman, and then The Who Method for Hiring by Jeffrey Smart. Those two. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? Ooh, wow. Man, thanks for planting that seed in my brain. I would figure out how to do it better. I love real estate. I'd figure out how to do it better so it didn't collapse again. What is the best ever deal you've done? My first deal was really sweet, the guy had an old Porsche 911 that he wanted to fix up. The house set empty for nine years after his ex-fiance moved out and he had just got a wild hair that he was going to fix up this 911 and it was going to cost him 40 grand and he needed 40 grand. So I gave him 40 grand for a house that was worth a lot more and fixed it up and even to this day, we made $65,000 on that property, it probably one of our best flips ever.
2: I wanted to ask you one more question. Who's your favorite classical musician, classical composer, classical artist?
0: Composer would be Gustav Mahler, and I was a trumpet player, so my all-time favorite trumpet player is Philip Smith from the New York Philharmonic. He teaches at the University of Georgia now.
2: When you said that in the beginning, I wanted to ask that question because I always listen to classical music while I work. Ma-
0: so. Mahler's like the Led Zeppelin or the Kiss of that era. It's just lots of brass music and How do you spell it? M-A-H-L-E-R. Okay. I've yeah, M-A-H-L-E-R. Yep. What is the best ever way you like to give back? My wife and I like to give. She's a giver and I like to make the money so that she can give. So we support our church. We support missions organizations. At one time we were trying to give away 20% of our income. It might be that way now. I'm not sure, but we give away a significant portion. I am passionate about Operation Underground Railroad. Their sole purpose is to free children from sex slavery or any other type of slavery all over the world, and that's one of the causes I really care about right now.
2: Do you know who Bill Allen is?
0: Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. In fact, I am now the chief operations officer of Seven Figure Flipping. I just talked to him right before we got on. He's oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I so talked he- to him earlier today, too. He didn't know I was going to be on your podcast.
2: Wow. And, then, and I talked to someone else on his team yesterday, Becca oh, yeah. Shea. It's
0: great yep, a small Becca. world. Yeah, good friends of mine and Mike Simmons. Those guys, we kind of grew up in this business together, Bill, Becca, and I. Small, small world. All right, last question. What's the best ever place to reach you? The best place to reach me, probably Facebook. For somebody who's just reaching out to me is Facebook. Just private message me, Terry Berger, and you can reach out to me there. Perfect, Terry. Well,
2: thanks for joining us and walking us through your step-by-step process for Flipping Home, starting from your direct mailing strategies, as well as buying leads, from websites like Need needtosellhomefast.com and Fast Home Offer. We talked about how you create your offer, which is by doing comps based off of the micro market. So a neighborhood with the major roads as the boundaries, as well as looking it up by elementary school. And then from there, you've seen the phone conversations with people once these leads come in. The biggest obstacle is evaluating without seeing the property. So you will send the inspector as well as a photographer who will have a checklist of things to look for and then make sure that they take high-definition pictures. So when you get the pictures, you can zoom in to see any issues that you want to investigate further. And then you mentioned something else, too, about what knowing what the buyer wants. And that the secret to real estate is a backyard to sell houses. You can't really renovate a house and add a backyard. Unless you want to cut the house in half. I don't know what you would do. So look for the backyard, and then you can make the inside of the house really whatever you want it to be. And then the best ever advice was to buy it right and don't get emotionally involved. Run your numbers. Act as if you're an appraiser. So thanks, Terry, again, for joining us. Best of listeners, as always. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.